0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hmm. You know, as we were singing the last verse of that song and it said, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. I think sometimes we sing songs and we don't really know what we're saying. Because wine is the byproduct of pressing grapes. It's a byproduct of fermentation that happens over time. And so when we're saying, Lord, I want this new level, I want this new experience, God, I want you to bring out of me what's within me, God is saying, are you ready for the crushing that's required? And we just said, I'll say yes. Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. Even if it crushes me. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. Now what? Agree, Lord, with my whole heart, I'll agree. And even if I want to say no, and, and my answer will be, be yes, Lord. Yes, you just made a declaration there. Because, see, when you speak it, God's going to test it. So are you going to say yes when that thing that you love is required of you? Are you going to say yes when God says that relationship that means so much to you has reached its expiration date? Are you going to say yes because we just declared, Lord, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will to your way how many times has God's will felt good Lord yes yes. I I will will trust you you and obey hold it do you know what faith is see many times we think we have faith because we say we trust God but faith is not us trusting God faith is God being able to trust us So when your spirit Spirit speaks speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree. And my answer? And my answer will be yes, Lord. God, as we stand in your presence today, we're declaring... That whatever you demand of us, God, we only have one answer. God, whatever you ask of us, we only have one answer, and that is yes. Yes. Father, your will and your way is the heart of our desire, God. And so today, Father, as I stand before your sons and your daughters, I ask that you will speak through me, God, because we don't need a word from me, God. We need a word from you. So speak through me because my answer, God, is yes. Whatever you have to say, God, we are ready to hear and we are ready to receive because we expect to be transformed. We expect to be changed as your heart meets ours today. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Good morning, Change Church. You know what's funny? I, um, I, I preached the 10 o'clock service and let me tell you how God is so funny, y'all. I preached my makeup off, like sweat literally dripping, and I went to the back and I was like, let me kind of touch up before the next service. Y'all, I left my touch-up kit at the hotel, and I was like, Lord, really? And uh, God said, that's because the 12 o'clock service is gonna be real and raw, all right? Ain't no pretending, ain't no filters, ain't no nothing. Uh, I've been told that we're not under the time crunch we were at 10. That doesn't mean I'm gonna take two hours, but that does mean I'm gonna say exactly what God wants me to say the way that God wants me to say it. I love it how the 10 o'clock service, you know, everybody was just like, amen, praise the Lord. I think every service has a personality because y'all came in here like, ah! So I believe we're gonna have some fun. I'm excited about what God's gonna do in this service. Anybody excited? Listen, I am so honored to be here, y'all. Change Church has an uncommon anointing because you have uncommon leaders. Can we give God praise for Pastor Darius, Pastor Shamika? Man, I love them so much. I'm so glad they're taking time to refresh and recover and recuperate, y'all. Ministry is not easy. It's not easy. And the thing about it is, The more that you are impacting the world for Jesus, the bigger of a target you have on your back in the demonic realm. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your pastors because every part of their life is a blessing to all of us, which means that every part of their life is under attack by the enemy. But I thank God for them. Y'all, today I have a rare treat. Um, I'm blessed to speak all over the place, but rarely can my family come with me. But y'all, today, my family's in the house. I want to give God praise for my husband, y'all. My husband is also my pastor, y'all. He's my pastor. And if you were to look up the word fine in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, there would be a headshot of Pastor Timothy Lael Jones, Sr. of Gainesville, Florida. So honey, if you would just stand up and let the people see. See the glory. Amen. (laughs) Y'all, we just celebrated 19 years of marriage, y'all. We celebrated 19 years. I'm so grateful that God has given us the grace to experience this. Uh, Sitting next to my my husband is my oldest son, Timothy Jr., he's 13, y'all. TJ, go ahead and stand up, just so they can see I'm not going to embarrass you, just so they can see you. He has the nerve to look me straight in my eye. But I told him, I said, don't ever forget, my arm swings up. I don't care how tall you get, my arm swings up. Uh, My youngest son, Isaac, is in the Next Generation Ministry, but he is here with me too. So I just really appreciate all the love, all the hospitality that you have shown to us since we've been here. Um, Y'all, there is a word from the Lord. There is a word from the Lord. Let me tell you, I told the 10 o'clock services, and I'll tell you this. Um, I have been under great spiritual attack over the last few months. Um, There's a message that God has been working in me and working out of me for my fourth book that will come out next year. And this message, I believe, has the power to set people free. It has the power to deliver people from real bondage. And because of that, The enemy has been attacking me. And so as we head into the second part of womanology, I was praying and I was trying to discern what God wanted me to teach. And I felt led to teach out of this topic that he's been been just downloading to me over the past year or so. Um, And I'm going to give you the, the subject in a moment. But before I do that, last year, I released a book called Killing Comparison. And the book is about what I call self-rejection. Self-rejection happens when you see somebody else's success as your failure. Self-rejection happens when you see somebody else's win as your loss. When you believe that you're not enough because it seems like somebody else is more. That's what self-rejection is. But as I released Killing comparison, there were women who came to me and they said, Nona, yes, I struggle with self-rejection, but something I struggle with even more is others rejecting me. And I realized that so many of us are struggling with being rejected by others. And y'all, I don't care how much Bible you know, I don't care how long you've been in church, it hurts when people reject you. And the reason it hurts is, y'all, rejection doesn't just injure your pride. Rejection actually breaks your heart. And the reason it breaks your heart is because in order to be rejected, you had to first have the hope that you were accepted. So when rejection happens, it doesn't just injure your pride. It shatters your hope. But I believe that today, prophetically, God is going to release this message into this room, into everyone watching online, and he is going to help you get free from the pain of rejection. The, the subject that I'm gonna teach from is gonna sound a little strange, but for those of you who take notes, the, the subject is the gift of rejection. The gift of rejection. And when you hear that, you're probably thinking, Nona, how can you say rejection is a gift When gifts are good, gifts make you happy. You look forward to gifts. Rejection is none of that. Rejection brings pain. Rejection brings discouragement. Rejection is not something you look forward to. When I say the gift of rejection, you're probably thinking, Nona, how can you say rejection is a gift when my father hardly has a kind word to say to me or about me? How can you say Rejection is a gift, Nona, when I gave the best years of my life to a man and he left me for a younger woman. Nona, how can you say rejection is a gift when I worked my butt off at that job and when it came time for promotion, I was overlooked. How can you say rejection is a gift when the person that I thought was my confidant, when the person that I thought was my closest friend walked away from me? How is rejection a gift? Well, I need you to just stick with me a little while longer. Because I believe by the end of this message, God is going to give us all a new vantage point from which to discern why rejection is a gift. I'm going to be in a familiar Bible story to illustrate this point. It's found in the book of First Samuel. Uh, we're going to be in First Samuel chapter 16. And walking into our text, just to give you a little backstory, so uh, there is a man, I know y'all in this church, y'all get a lot of Bibles, so y'all know who he is most likely, but there's a man named Samuel, and he's a prophet commissioned by God to go to a man named Jesse. And he goes to Jesse because God had chosen one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. You see, the current king, his name was Saul, he messed up epically and so God decided that he was no longer worthy of the kingship and he was going to make one of Jesse's sons king. Well, he tells Samuel to go find Jesse. He didn't tell him who he had chosen. He didn't tell him which son, but he said, I will reveal him to you when he passes before you. So Samuel is approaching the town where Jesse lived and the elders of the town see Samuel approaching. The thing you have to know about Samuel is he was a for real, for real prophet, all right? And so when he showed up, there was always conviction and correction. He wasn't coming to play. He wasn't coming to eat donuts and cake. And No, no, no. Samuel was coming to set things straight. And so when they saw him, when the elders saw him, they got worried and they said, do you come in peace? And so Samuel begins in verse uh, five of 1 Samuel 16. He said, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Now, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. You see, the Lord does not look at the things people look at, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Jesse said, well, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. And so Samuel said, send for him, for we will not sit down until he arrives. I need to take a step back because see, a lot of times when we read this text, we focus on the fact that everyone was going to wait on the youngest son. But I need you to actually pay attention to something else. Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Without batting an eye, without skipping a beat, Jesse said, oh no, they're still the youngest. He's out in the field tending sheep. You see, it wasn't that Jesse didn't know where his youngest son was. It's that he wasn't invited. And the thing about rejection, the reason why rejection hurts so bad It's because it isn't accidental. Rejection happens on purpose. Rejection requires intentionality. You see, just like it did to Jesse's youngest son, rejection will have you feeling like you've been left out in a field by yourself. Can anybody relate to that? Where you have found yourself in a place of feeling discarded, unwanted, uninvited, not needed, overlooked. Well, let me tell you something. What I'm talking about is not just in the abstract because I have lived this my entire life. Y'all, rejection is like the oxygen that I have breathed since my birth. Let me tell you about me. I was born to a mother who did not want to have children. She and my father had been married for 13 years when she found out she was pregnant with me. And even though my father was excited because he always wanted to be a dad, she was angry. She felt that children would be a burden. She liked to live a fast lifestyle, and she felt that children would be a burden. To make matters worse, halfway through her pregnancy, my father started to have some stomach pain. So he went to the doctor to have some tests run, and they diagnosed him with terminal stomach cancer. They gave him six months to live. But he fought as hard as he could and he lived until two months shy of my second birthday. Shortly after his funeral, my mother, she moved us to the other side of the country following after a man that she barely knew, but he promised to take care of her and take care of me. But shortly after we got settled in that new location, that relationship dissolved. I remember from a very young age, a string of men coming out of in and out of her life and in and out of my life. And I remember all these random faces. But then one day she settled on a guy who became her living boyfriend. I did not like him from the beginning. I was about five years or so when he he moved in, but I did not like him from the beginning. And my mother told me, Nona, just get to know him. He'll grow on you, it's okay. I'm gonna put a pin in this story for just one moment. Mothers, do not force your children to like a man just because you're lonely. Hear me. You see, children have a spiritual sensitivity so that they can see things that we are intentionally oblivious to red flags all over the place our child picks up on it but we say oh no that's probably just a red robin honey that's not a flag that's just a bird over there and the child is like, "No, no 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 mommy i don't like that person do not force your children to interact with people they're not comfortable with and as a matter of fact if your child is not comfortable you should not be either A few months after he moved in, my mother's sister passed away and she had to go back home for the funeral. And I begged my mother to take me with her. I remember watching her pack her big gray suitcase and literally begging her in tears, Mommy, please take me with you, Mommy. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to stay with him, Mommy. Please take me with you. She said, Nona, it's only a couple of days. I can't afford another plane ticket. I won't be gone very long. The first night that she was gone, he assaulted me. The first night. And after it was over, he said to me, you better not tell your mother what happened or she'll get rid of you. For two years, I kept it to myself while he repeatedly abused me. Until I was almost eight years old and I worked up the courage to tell my mother through tears what was happening to me. And she had him arrested and y'all I thought it was over but on the day of his release from jail she took me with her to pick him up and brought him back home where the abuse resumed not only that my mother became physically and verbally abusive so here I was in this house where I'm being abused in every way imaginable and possible. My mother's telling me that she wished I was never born. She should have never had me. She's calling me all types of names. He's abusing me. I have nowhere to go. So at the age of nine, I tried to end my life by drinking laundry detergent. Thank God I didn't drink bleach, but I tried to end my life. It was unsuccessful. So at the age of 11, I tried again, but this time I tried by taking a knife to my left wrist. I thank God for his mercy because instead of dying, I have a permanent scar on the inside of my wrist to remind me of the goodness of God. But what you have to understand, y'all, is the weight of that rejection followed me throughout my life. I wondered what I could have possibly done that was so bad that my mom would go days and weeks without speaking to me as a child and then months and years as an adult. Just like Jesse's youngest son, I felt like I was left out in the field of childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, adulthood, marriage, motherhood. I felt so unworthy. I felt so destroyed that I had a cavernous hole in my heart that I would fill with relationships that only channeled benefits in one direction. I had friends and I had boyfriends and they gave me the crumbs of attention and I would live off of those crumbs never making a demand on the relationship because rejection had distorted my understanding of my worth and so I would not ask them for anything and in the rare instance that I happened to ask them for something their prompt disappearance only served to remind me that I was not worthy this is what happens when you are carrying the weight of rejection. And some of us in this room right now, I'm talking to the women and the men. Some of us in this room right now, you have been playing small because rejection has made you believe the lie that you're not worthy of more. Has anybody ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Because rejection will literally have you believing that you do not deserve better. But I came here to declare the truth of God to somebody today. Because if you allow it, the gift of rejection will not only help you understand your value in God, but it will make you grateful for every rejection that you experienced gonna take us back to the text let's go back to the text because you see the Bible tells us that Jesse's youngest son was a young shepherd boy named David many of us know of David because of his victory over the Philistine giant Goliath but see what you don't understand is that it isn't what happened on the battlefield that made him victorious it's what happened when he was in that field by himself if you read the text 1st Samuel chapter 17 verse 32 we find David he's out there with the Israelites in the Philistines because his father sent some lunch with him to give to his younger brothers his older brothers because they were in Israel's army so he's out there in the battlefield and he overhears Goliath taunting the Israelites and David is like Who is he? So the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, beginning at verse 32, that David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul looks at this little shepherd boy and he says, uh... You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, oh, let me tell you about me. You see, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came, and carried off a sheep from the flock I went after it I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth when it turned on me I seized it by its hair I struck it and I killed it your servant has killed both the lion and the bear this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, what you didn't catch, what you didn't catch, do you remember where David was when Samuel came to Jesse's house? He was out in the field tending sheep by himself, but David wasn't just out there tending sheep. David was out there getting ready for Goliath. When you are in the hand of God, when you are in the will of God, even people's rejection of you will serve God's purpose for you. The thing you have to know is David wasn't ready for Goliath in spite of being rejected. David was ready for Goliath because of being rejected. And some of you in this room right now have been thinking that your rejection somehow makes you less than. But I came to tell somebody that whoever left you out in that field, that is not to your detriment, that is to your good. In the hand of God, rejection is a gift. Some of us are crying over who walked away, but you have forgotten who never left. The Word of God tells us that God will never leave you nor forsake you. To leave somebody is to separate from them physically. To forsake somebody is to separate from them emotionally. And God is saying, I will do neither. So instead of focusing on who walked away, focus on who said, I will be with you to the end of the age. You see, the gift of rejection is powerful. It will make you better if you open it but it will make you bitter if you don't. And there are some of us in this room right now who are carrying rejection wounds that have made us bitter. You're still angry over what he did, so you take it out on your children. You're still angry over the fact that you were the product of a one-night stand. And your father has never had anything to do with you. But God is saying, even when your earthly father has forsaken you, your heavenly father will never leave you. I am grateful for every rejection I've experienced. Because as I look back over the arc of my life, I see how God used it to shape the character and the skill that I needed for the opportunities that he has placed in my lap. Yo, when people ask me to describe myself, I just put it this way. I am a statistically improbable product of God's grace. And that may sound good and poetic, but let me tell you something. Have any of you ever heard of the ACE assessment? It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Assessment. What the ACE assessment does, is it looks at the trauma that a child has experienced, and it evaluates the probability that they will have an adverse outcome in life. It's on a scale of zero to 10, and if a child scores a three, They're considered at high risk for drug addiction, premature death, incarceration, and more. When I took that assessment, I scored an eight. I am standing here today because the grace of God reaches further than the pain of rejection. And if you understand that, You won't allow anybody to speak against your purpose. Yeah, you may have come out of drugs. You may have come out of prostitution. You may have been bankrupt. Oh yeah, you may have been the product of an affair. But let me tell you about my God. He wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. And when you understand that, you won't let what people have to say about you define you. And I'm so tired of seeing us walk into church looking so good and so put together and leaving broken. Because the same rejection that met us on the doorstep of our house is brought into church and taken back out. And it's brought into church and it's taken back out. But I'm prophetically declaring that today, you are going to leave every rejection at the foot of the cross and you are going to receive your healing. You're going to receive your deliverance. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. I'm saying today. Today, the lies in today. There are four insights that we learn out of David's life that I want to leave you with. So that whenever you experience rejection, you can open the gift and allow it to teach you instead of allowing it to break you. The first insight that we learn out of David's life is that the gift of rejection positions you for purpose. Hear me. You see, right after David was anointed king, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, beginning at verse 14, that the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. I'm repeating that. Saul said to his attendants, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is fine looking and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is where? <laughs> See, the thing you have to understand is that even when they leave you out in that field, God knows where you are, yeah. Rejection will position you to be found by people who don't even know they need you. And y'all, this is why I don't get concerned, I don't get angry when people with a platform reject me. I don't get angry when the king, the person who supposedly has all the power, doesn't see my talent, doesn't see my gifting. I don't get angry about that because God will use a servant in the king's court to position me. I've seen too many times where my name has ended up in rooms that I don't even have access to. And you walking around here feeling bitter because the person who supposedly has the power didn't call your name. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who has power. What matters is who has authority. There's a difference. You see, power is the ability to make something happen. Authority is the jurisdiction that controls the power. So when the servant said, I know of a son of Jesse, power had to say, bring him to me because authority spoke through the servant. Stop feeling left in the field just because the king didn't choose you. You don't need the earthly king. You need the king of kings. Rejection will position you for purpose. I'm gonna tell you a true story, y'all. A few years ago, I was working for a corporation and I wasn't hired as a spokesperson, but they found out that I was a speaker. And so the communications team, they asked if I would speak on behalf of the company at some conferences and events. And so I was like, well, sure, I'd be happy to do it. Well, apparently I did a good job because they came back and invited me to do more and more. Well, my manager, she started to feel some type of way She came to me one day and she says, you know, Nona, you're out here doing all these conferences and events. I need you to focus on your core work. My performance reviews were stellar. There was never a performance issue. She thought she was gonna close the door, but she didn't realize I was covered by the blood of Jesus. (laughs) Let me tell you what happened. Invitations kept coming And I said to the people, I said, listen, I can't speak on behalf of the company, so I'll have to decline. They said, oh, no, that's okay. We want you. I was like, I could just speak as me? They said, yeah, 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 we want you. Here's the thing when I was speaking on behalf of the company, I couldn't get paid. But when I started to speak on behalf of Nona Jones Incorporated, it got to the point, y'all, where I was making as much in speaking fees as my corporate salary. Not only that, that manager got demoted and I was appointed to her job. And I had to tell the communications team, because they came back, they were like, well, well, I guess you could speak for the company again. I said, well, you know, long as you understand that I will decide when I speak for the company and when I speak for me. <laughs> Rejection positioned you for purpose. Y'all, I'm standing on this stage right now because of the door she closed. I never thought of myself as a speaker, never aspired to speak, never thought I would be doing this, y'all. But because she closed that door, God used rejection as redirection. And I'm encouraging all of you, if you have experienced a door that closed in your face, closing that door doesn't mean there aren't other doors that God is opening. Stop thinking that that was the way. The fact that the door closed proved it wasn't. So now you need to ask God, what are you positioning me for? All right. That door closed, Lord, what are you positioning me for now? All right. They didn't choose me for that promotion, God. What are you positioning me for now? Rejection positions you for God's purpose. The second insight that we learn out of David's life is that the gift of rejection reveals people's role in your destiny. You see, many times we feel bad because people walked away from us. But you have to understand that there are two roles that people play in our life. Attached and assigned. You see, when a person is attached to you, they're connected to you for as long as the relationship benefits them. As long as you are channeling benefits in their direction. But the moment you stop, they detach. When a person is assigned to you, however, they're not in the relationship for what they can get out of it. They're in the relationship for what they can contribute to it. And the mistake that we make is when an attached person starts to detach it triggers insecurity in us and so what we do is we begin to shift our energy and our attention away from the people who are assigned in order to keep that person attached and that's the worst mistake that you can make it's giving assignment energy to an attached person You have to build the discipline to know that nothing that God has for you is trapped in a person that walked away from you. Not one thing. Nothing that God has for you is behind a door that somebody closed in your face. When they walk away, they simply reveal that they are not meant to be part for what God has for you and we have to learn to accept that reality. Stop chasing after people and trying to figure out what did I do wrong and this, that, and the other. Y'all, we are adults. If there's a problem, come talk to me about it. Don't go talk to everybody else and then have the nerve to say, well, I don't know her like that. If you don't know me well enough to come talk to me, you don't know me well enough to talk about me either. Let me tell you what the Word of God says. Going back to our text, when David finally shows up, when he finally gets the memo to come meet with Samuel, the Bible says that when he showed up he was glowing with health and he had a fine appearance and handsome features then the Lord said rise and anoint him this is the one so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David I believe that the reason why David was anointed in the presence of his brothers even though they left him out in that field was to prove to David that you don't need nobody if you have the favor of God you see we like to quote the 23rd Psalm right we love reading the 23rd Psalm but verse 5 says you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies And what some of us have been doing is we've been trying to make enemies frenemies. When God wants to make your enemies your audience, let them be the ones to see what God does in spite of them walking away, in spite of them not selecting you, in spite of them not choosing you. You have to be so firmly rooted in what God wants to do in your life that when people walk away, you just say, bye, baby, bye. (laughs) Bye, baby, bye. You see, if you know anything about sports, my son likes to play basketball. There's a roster. There's only so many players on that roster. So when somebody steps off your roster, that just opens up a spot. Which means when they walk away, it's not for you to chase them down. It's for you to ask God to fill their spot. I have to move, I've got two more insights I wanna share, just two more y'all, and then I'm gonna let you go. The third insight we learn out of David's life is that the gift of rejection anchors your identity. What do I mean? Some of you have spent your life contorting yourself to try to fit within the too small box of other people's opinions. You change your personality. You change your desires. Some of you have gotten degrees you didn't even want to try to make somebody happy. Some of you are in relationships that don't mean you any good just to make somebody happy. But you can do everything that somebody asks you to do and they will still walk away. Which is why the gift of rejection will teach you to anchor your identity. Because once you realize that you can do everything they want and they will still walk away, you realize I might as well do what God called me to do. And we see this from David. You see, when when David was on that battlefield, his brother Eliab saw him talking to the other soldiers in Israel's army. And Eliab said to him, he said, "Uh, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. David said, well, what have I done? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to somebody else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent him. You see, it was because David didn't allow Eliab to change his direction that Saul even overheard of David and said, come here. So before he even met Goliath, David had to anchor his identity enough to know that just because they talk down on you, just because they call you names, that doesn't mean you have to stop doing what God has called you to do. The gift of rejection will anchor you because people will walk away from you no matter what you do. So you might as well do what God said. When well, you have people telling you, oh, well, you're not qualified to do that. I don't even know why you have that dream in your heart. There's no way that you can do that. When God places a vision on the inside of you that is impossible for you, that means it's not even about you. It's about him. It's about him glorifying himself through you. It's about him proving his power through you. So stop allowing people to make you play small in life. The last insight I want to leave you with, and this is important, y'all, is that the gift of rejection will draw you nearer to God. You see, when David was in that field, he didn't have his father, he didn't have his brothers, but he had the word of the Lord. And that's why he said it was the Lord who protected him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. And what I would encourage you all to do is stop allowing rejection to make you turn inward and instead allow rejection to make you turn upward. Look to the hills from which cometh your help. I don't care who walked away from you. I don't care who abandoned you. He said he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And so you have to learn to allow rejection to draw you nearer to God. In the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, the apostle Paul says, beginning at verse 9, he said that at his first defense, no one came to his support. It said that everyone deserted him. But then he says, may it not be held against them because the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. He said it was the Lord who delivered him from the lion's mouth. And that sounds oddly familiar to what David said. Because when you know that God is for you and when you know that you are walking in purpose, it doesn't matter who rises up against you. It doesn't matter what door gets closed on you. It doesn't matter who walks away from you. You, that will draw you nearer to your source. Please hear me. Your job is a resource, God is the source. You got that pink slip. You got that pink slip. That just means another resource is on the way because the source is unchanging. He walked in with those divorce papers that marriage was just a resource. Your source has not left you. Your child isn't responding to your texts or your calls. You need to realize that the source is unchanging. And I don't know who this message was for, but whoever it was for, I want you to hear me. The enemy will have you believing that you are the problem. But the truth is, God is positioning you for purpose. He is revealing people's role in your destiny. He is building resilience and resolve in your character. And he is drawing you nearer to him. Rejection is a gift that God can use for your good and for his glory. If you would bow your heads right now in the presence of God, Father... I did what you told me to do, and my prayer is that your daughters and your sons will leave this place today completely free. doesn't matter who walked away. doesn't matter what door closed. It doesn't matter because you will never leave us, and you will never forsake us, and you love to glorify yourself through us. Your strength is made perfect in our weakness, God. So whatever weight of rejection we may be carrying right now in the spirit, God, we are laying it at the foot of the cross. We are not going to pick it back up again, God, because your word promises us that you will work all things together for our good. And we trust that today. God, we thank you for your sovereignty. I thank you for being a good and faithful father. Father, you are so faithful to us. Even when we're not faithful to you, God, you remain Faithful to us, Lord, thank you for the gift of rejection because it is teaching us about ourselves, about others, and about you. May you be glorified in Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you, God bless you. Change family, can you make some noise? Stand to your feet and thank God for the ministry of Nona Jones. Come on, make some noise online in the room. If you were blessed by that word today, can you just lift those hands and thank God for the word?